0: up? hello everybody. Alex Kapitko here, and this is the Centered from Reality podcast. As you can probably tell by now, the audio is not going to be as good today. I uh, I'm sitting here. It's 10:15 at night, and I am in Naples, Italy. Um, I forgot to bring the microphone. I was supposed to bring, so I have no microphone. So I had to buy a cheap one, and I have the echoes of my hotel room. And yeah. You know, it's it's you, you kind of take what you get, I guess, in this scenario. So, yeah, I am sitting here in Italy. By the time you hear this, I will no longer be in Naples. So don't try to stalk me, I guess. Um, not that that's <laughs> like an issue. But uh, yeah, I am here in Italy. I I have to say just like off the bat, I was sitting in a restaurant having dinner. I had a really long couple days getting from Chicago to my layover in Madrid and now here I am and I was sitting in the hotel or not the hotel in the restaurant um, outside in kind of downtown Naples and I was just kind of going like I can't believe I'm here right now you know uh, it, it's been a crazy couple of years it's been a busy couple of years and it's kind of crazy just to be seated outside in Italy like I don't know. I've been very stressed the last like couple months, and yeah, there was just kind of a moment of self-reflection on how nice it is to be back. Um, now, it was not nice, <laughs> speaking of something that wasn't nice, it was not nice taking the uh, taxi from the airport to here. That guy, I mean... <sighs> The drive was crazy. I mean, I, I forgot how chaotic Naples is. I came with my mom a couple of years ago, and I just forgot how fucking nuts like the drivers are. Um, so that was fun. It's a very chaotic city. Um, I'm heading to a different part of the coast for the next week for some events, which I'll update you guys on later. I don't want to disclose too much at this time, but yeah. So uh, there's kind of a sense of beautiful chaos here, and. It just doesn't seem to exist the same in the U.S., so I I guess I'm just grateful, more than anything, to be back here, and it's nice. Anyways, uh, you're probably curious why I'm here talking to you, doing an episode. It's Sunday. You're like, why the hell do I have to hear Alex's voice on Sunday? Well, the truth is, on Friday, I recorded a pre-recorded episode that I think you guys will like for Monday, but a lot has happened since Monday, politically, and I just thought it was important to talk about a few things. Um, first off, <laughs> I'm sorry, I laughed somewhat hysterically, but also just kind of out of sadness. But there actually is a new movie out produced by Breitbart. Actually, I'm not sure if it's out. Let me check. Okay, it's being released on September 7th. So we have about five more, four more days of sanity before that happens. But there's a movie called My Son Hunter coming out. And yeah, it's about Hunter Biden, which like I've told you guys before, i I think there's serious concerns about, you know, family members, you know, using their influence to do things. But Trump did it. Obama's done it. Bush has done it. Reagan's like, you know, we could go. The Kennedys were doing that. Like, you know, there's like it, it happens. And so anyways there's a there's a new movie coming out called My Son Hunter. And it's supposed to be based on true events. And it's about Hunter Biden and the laptop and the whole thing. You have Matt, uh, sorry Lawrence Fox, who plays Hunter Biden. He's actually an actor I uh, I used to kind of like. Uh, the fact he's in a Breitbart movie does <laughs> does bring up some issues for me. Um, John James, another kind of washed up actor, plays Joe Biden, and Gina Carano is actually in it, and so. I watched the trailer. It is laughable at best. Um, they try to make it this serious thing, kind of like the Dick Cheney movie. I think what was it called, Vice? Um, but it doesn't doesn't do the job. It doesn't it doesn't really hit the mark there. Um, so I'm not sure how you actually like get access to this movie, but I probably will watch it because it looks like something I could like have a few beers and just laugh at. To be honest, like. I I tell people again and again, like Hunter Biden is a flawed person and probably not a great person. Um, but what he's doing has no impact on Joe Biden, at least as much as we know right now, what Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump were doing was much worse than what Joe Biden's or uh, Hunter Biden is doing. I'm sorry, full stop. So I, I don't understand all the fixation. Yeah. There's some weird stuff there. The guy has demons. I don't like demonizing people with demons, (laughs) so it gets exhausting. Anyways. Um, I want to talk about the reason I'm doing this episode today. So back to that is, it is Sunday, but Joe Biden put out a speech. Going right into Joe Biden, he put out a speech. And I'm going to talk about that and why I think it was accurate, but also ineffective. But first, <laughs> this is totally off note, because this is kind of my Sunday ramblings. Maybe I should start a new like day of an episode where it's kind of the Sunday ramblings or something. But anyways, I learned that in the United States... We test our medicines and vaccines and antiviral drugs with the blood from horseshoe crabs. I read this in The Economist while I was actually eating my pizza a little bit ago. It was something else I had to share is that apparently we drain like a third of the blood from horseshoe crabs and then release them back into the wild and like, usually they're fine. Like a third of the time they die, but usually they're fine. But apparently we drain their blood And the immune cells in the crab's blood actually, like, clot around toxic bacteria, and it gives a visual signal of, like, unwanted contamination in whatever vaccine or pharmaceutical drug or whatever we're looking at. And so apparently, we rely on that. Other countries have created synthetic ones, but in the U.S., like usual, there's a strong lobby around this. And... With the COVID vaccines, we've been using a lot more of it than usual, which is kind of fascinating to me. So this Economist article basically talks about how there's a shortage of horseshoe crab blood, which could be problematic for testing out boosters for COVID down the road. So um, it it writes here, the next several rounds of COVID-19 boosters produced in America will rely on the horseshoe crab. But such vampire-like dependence on its blue blood cannot last much longer. So, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was worth sharing. It's something I knew nothing about. And it's something that, uh, I don't know, it just doesn't, doesn't surprise me. me. <laughs> but, I like, like, just staying on that for a second, it, it is interesting that... Other countries, like apparently it was an American company, but it's got big in Switzerland, but they've created like a synthetic form of this horseshoe crab blood that they can do the same thing, basically. But of course, in the United States, we're still relying on horseshoe crab blood, but it's apparently like ruptured the whole food chain because there's a specific bird that usually is supposed to feed on these crabs. But because a third of them are dying because of us, you know, sucking out some of their blood for analyzing vaccines or whatever. Um, it's like disrupting the, the, the food chain. And so there's some like down the road environmental issues going on with that. So I don't know. It was just something that I had to share with you guys because I just found it super fascinating and something that I've just never thought about. <laughs> never, ever thought about before. So yeah, I, I just don't really know what to say. So anyways... I wanted to mainly focus on this ep- episode today because Joe Biden had a pretty interesting speech on Thursday. And, you know, going off the bat, I'm a never-Trumper. You guys know that. I am definitely not someone who has ever really agreed with much of what Trump does. And if I do, it's usually foreign policy. And, like I said at the top of the show, I had content planned for tomorrow. And I really wanted to put out an episode maybe later on Biden's speech, but. I decided to do this now because I've seen just people on every podcast under the sun talking about it, and (laughs) I was in Chicago O'Hare's airport before I flew to Madrid, what, yesterday or two days ago? I don't even know. Time doesn't exist to me right now, but before I flew to Madrid to get to Napoli here, I ended up talking with a nice couple from Wisconsin at the bar in O'Hare, and they were kind of what I would call hesitant Trump supporters, and you know, they got the vaccine, but they also don't really like Democrats. And they're like, Trump did some good things. Biden sucks. Like, they probably make up what I would think are a lot of Republicans in the country. And they were telling me while we were sitting at the bar before I flew out that they felt like Biden's speech was attacking people like them. And so I decided to, while I was on the plane, pay for the Wi-Fi and do some reading on his speech, listen to some podcasts and just think about it. And to be honest, drink about it a little bit. I had a few beers on the plane, and maybe that helped me do some realization. Maybe it muddled it. I don't know. But to be honest, after thinking about it, I do not think Biden's speech was effective. It was accurate. It said the things that all of us have been talking about for a long time. But it was not effective, and it probably is not going to help on bringing anyone else or solving the issue at hand. (laughs) Like, the reason why I say this is because the democratic opposition to this growing illiberalism or extremism or whatever you want to call it needs to stay above the chaos and give Americans an, like a reasonable alternative. It needs to be better than the liberal movement. And as difficult as it may be, it seemed like Biden's speech was actually kind of following the playbook that Trump has used. In the speech, I saw Biden taking some notes out of Trump's book, you know, I saw, I guess for a long time, we have worried that eventually the Democrats would start picking up on the worst habits of people like Trump. And it kind of seems like Biden's starting to do it because I just saw a lot of fear mongering and finger pointing and a lack of solutions, but a, a willingness to say vote because the other side's bad. And That is something I always really stray from when I talk about what's wrong with the Republican Party is I don't say just vote because they're bad. I say here is why they're bad. And I just saw Biden was lacking in that. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's go back to the speech for a moment. I'm going to go through the key takeaways from it first before I get into my rants, which I've already started on, by the way. So Biden did the speech last Thursday. So I'm talking to you guys here on Sunday. So a couple days ago, and he did it in in Philadelphia's Independence Hall, which I guess if you don't know, I hope you know, is where the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution were signed. He began his speech with the words and quotes, I speak to you tonight from sacred ground, and quotes, and I guess so. So that's, that's not, not false. false. And the speech was mainly focused on the soul of America, which, I mean, is kind of reminiscent of his 2020 campaign, but, you know, we don't need to get to that. Sorry, got a text message there. But um, this is the lovely perks of not having my usual microphone set up. Anyways, the speech was also unique because Biden does not do a lot of speeches. (laughs) Like we don't see him actually talk a lot to the American people. And The Guardian brought up a good point because prior to this speech, Biden usually also did not refer to Trump by name. Usually he called him the former guy. And I've, I've noticed a lot of the media like Stephen Colbert will not call Trump Trump. To me, it's fascinating, like, that they just are almost, like, trying to just, like, ignore the fact that Trump was a thing. Like, I I, I like to say his name because I think it reminds people that he was president. And I think we need to keep doing that because, yeah, the apprentice guy was president. We can't just keep calling him the former guy. He was Trump. Donald Trump was our president. But anyways, Biden usually doesn't talk about Trump. But in this speech, he was direct and he held no punches. He warned that Trump and the, in quotes, MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundation of our republic. And to me, it seems clear that he was energized by the recent events at Mar-a-Lago because he really went off, you know. And let's be honest, Mar-a-Lago, as every day goes on, MAGA really stands for making attorneys get attorneys. Like, you know, this whole thing is just a clusterfuck for Trump. So I don't envy him at all right now. So I I think Biden's kind of riding on the high of what's happening in the Trump orbit right now. My issue here... Is that even though Biden started by saying like MAGA Republicans are the problem, he didn't do enough of a job to say that it's really not MAGA Republicans, it's actually just Trump himself who has lied to a lot of people and that's something that I always try to stress when I talk on the podcast is that it's more Trump than the actual people that vote for him and Biden seemed to cast all of the MAGA movement as the same problem and I think that can be problematic going forward. Part of me struggles with the speech going off of that because there's this fine line that must be walked here. Because basically Biden is correct. Like I said, he's correct that Trump's litmus test is that the election was stolen, which is problematic for our democracy. It's problematic for institutions. And our country will not survive if that continues to be his litmus test. And the people that have gone along are atrocious. But at the same time, he can't just... Openly push Trump skeptic Republicans away like there's a lot of people who voted for Trump because they're lifelong Republicans And that's just what they do and hearing the president say the MAGA movement is semi-fascist or whatever he used in this speech All it's gonna do is just make these people go further towards the Trump movement It's gonna make them say see the president thinks I'm a deplorable Um, Hillary's done something similar to this Obama's done something similar to this Biden's now following in suit like, you would think they could find a way to criticize Trumpism without criticizing the people that voted for Trump. And, again, this speech did not do it. It just ostracized a lot of Americans. And, I mean, like, like to sympathize with Biden, though, he also has to be truthful but also productive with his rhetoric. And I don't think the speech did either. Um, like— one of the one of the examples is that he talks about how they're taking away abortion rights in the country. He doesn't directly say it, but he said they're going to take away contraceptives next. And then he links that to the MAGA Republicans. And the thing is is that what you kind of can't have both things here is like they've been trying to get rid of abortion for the last like 40 years. Ever since Roe happened, they've been trying to get rid of abortion. That is not the MAGA movement. You can't inflate this and put them into like together. There's a fundamentalist wing on the right that has been allied with the MAGA movement, but To say that the pro-life movement is also the MAGA, anti-democracy movement is kind of silly. And it just doesn't make sense. And again, you're going to demonize Christian Republicans. And it just doesn't sound good. Like, like not every Trump supporter is an extremist. And he keeps labeling the MAGA movement as completely semi-fascist or extremist. And it's not productive, even if... The idea of Trump himself being semi-fascist is true. I know it's not a popular opinion, but the country is so divided. And I thought Biden was supposed to bring back normality. I don't remember. I don't remember Obama calling all of Bush's voters semi-fascist or semi. I guess in that age, you could say semi-imperialist or something, because like people vote for a myriad of different reasons. And I don't know. I just found the. Biden's speech counterproductive. Like, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Again, this is a quick Sunday kind of reflection podcast I'm doing. But also part of me, though, also feels like it was kind of disingenuous. This is the last thing I'm going to say here is that part of me feels like this was Biden trying to get people to vote. And I know that that is politics. But I feel like this speech was less about, you know, hey, guys, we have a serious problem that we need to fix. It was more about, hey, guys, I need to get voters worried so they're su- they're going to support my party. Like, why do you think he's been in Pennsylvania twice in the last two weeks? And and the speech was similar to a lot of Trump speeches. Like, the other side is bad. They're existential to democracy. And I was talking with one of my best buddies about this a few weeks ago. And this existentialism that keeps, like, coming up on both sides is really not productive. And, you know, I, I think Biden, like... Uh, I would never vote for Trump, but the Biden now is not the Biden I voted for. I'll, I will just say that now. Um, I'm glad he's calling out some of the bullshit, but I don't know if it's working, is, is, is my thing. And I was thinking about this deeply, deeply on my flight earlier, and I think the problem here is is that dealing with Trumpism... Involves somewhat of self-reflection that needs to happen on the right. It needs to happen on the actual right more than it needs to happen on Biden's side or on the left. Biden, who is fairly unpopular still, is not the person to be telling the right what to believe. And I think that's the problem now is that like these, these reflections need to come from within. Not from Biden lecturing them in a speech and calling the whole MAGA movement racist and evil and fascist it's just not working. And I, you know, I, I, I'm reading Tim Miller's book, Why We Did It Right Now. He's a bulwark contributor, former Republican strategist. And he took the self-reflection to understand that the things he was doing was kind of for the game of politics more than like his own values. And I think that's still happening now. I think there's a lot of people in the Trump movement who don't actually align with the values. They just, uh, They just are willing to go along because it's the game. And sometimes you don't understand that the game needs to change or it's probably going to hurt people down the road. So I just don't think Biden lecturing his voters about how bad the MAGA movement is is going to fix anything. And I know this sounds weird coming from me because I've been very anti-Trump from beginning and I've been very anti the Republicans for a while. But if we want to actually get... Former Trump supporters and get a coalition against fascism, we can't just be condemning the whole MAGA movement. A lot of people voted for Trump for different reasons. That's all I'm going to say. And it kind of reminds me going back to those horseshoe crabs that are, you know, drained of blood to test vaccines. Like eventually you're going to run out of those, and eventually now we're going to run out of sanity. Um, It's a short supply, and like it messes up the food chain once you get down this road. So. Anyways, this is a short episode. Like I said, it's Sunday. I just wanted to get some thoughts out. But I, I don't like Biden's speech. I did not like Biden's speech. I'll, I'll just say that. I do like Italy. I do like Europe. I'm glad to be back. Um, more episodes coming this week. I am still looking at a better microphone. If any of you have recommendations for this area, please let me know. But uh, tomorrow we'll be talking about floods, climate reparations, and uh, Pakistani floods, kind of a climate-related issue. Uh, I like a lot of the stuff that's going to be talked about there, so check it out, and uh, I'll keep you guys updated on my travels. And like I said, I'm just happy to be back uh, back outside of the U.S. for a little bit, taking a break, and I am so blessed and happy to be back in Italy right now. So take care. Peace. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, all that jazz. Take care, and I'll be back tomorrow as you go.